0: For force in the service of the people to the end that human rights shall be regarded as more sacred than mere property interests for more information about your legal rights how to obtain legal assistance or to donate, please contact the National Lawyers Guild at nlgsg.org
1: that's nlgsg.org we're this public sure. service announcement is brought to you by Something your friends at Mutiny
0: Radio environment. we're in both listener and host find fulfillment, the morning train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm <laughs>
1: Freeform Radio for free minds.
0: Did you know that compact fluorescent light bulbs use 60% less energy than regular light bulbs? And that each one saves about 300 pounds of carbon dioxide a year? If all Americans switched to CFLs, we would save more than 90 billion pounds of carbon dioxide. This Public Service Announcement is brought to you by your friends at Radio in San Francisco. People from all over the Bay Area come to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum to experience close encounters with live wild animals. The museum's living collection features more than 50 species of non-releasable native California animals. Visitors can see and learn about wildlife such as eagles, owls, bobcats, coyotes, reptiles, and other fascinating creatures. The museum's world-renowned Wildlife Rehabilitation Hospital treats more than 5,000 wild animals each year with the goal of returning them to their native habitat. The Lindsay Wildlife Museum is in Walnut Creek. To learn more, visit wildlife-museum.org. Cool. <laughs> you dig the music. Yeah. Cool set. Cool set. I have fun. I had fun. As usual. Yeah.
1: Cool. So, uh um, welcome to Women's Magazine. It's January. Why am I playing Christmas music? Let's find <laughs> out. So Are at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. I'm Global Val, and you're listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val. Thank you so much for tuning in. Why am I playing Christmas music in January? It's probably uh, one of the worst months to play Christmas music, but uh, I choose to play that song because the day uh, before Christmas, uh, 2015, uh, the Obama administration um, held their plans to conduct immigration raids. Um, Central American immigrants across the country. Uh, that plan uh, that had been hatching for a while was was released. Was um, people found out uh, the day before Christmas that um, some raids were coming home, raids around the country um, against Central American immigrants who were um, you know purportedly uh, in violation of uh, immigration. Uh, status, whether sneaking into the country, but unfortunately, uh, for many reasons. But uh, interestingly enough, a lot of the people who have been detained since those January raids of this year, 2016, um, a lot of those folks actually had some kind of legal status to be in the United States. So I want to reference today um, an article. We're going to be talking about this uh, this issue ongoing, this issue of uh, sanctuary, uh, deportation, refugee status, and uh, the role of government and the role of the people and the rights of the people. Um, We'll be on this topic for a while, I I believe. So um, I'm going to reference an article from the Huffington Post um, talking about how some of the recent uh, ICE The Immigration and uh, Customs Enforcement Agency um, have purportedly violated the law, the Constitution, um, when they're reading immigrants' homes. And so the Southern Poverty Law Center is investigating possible constitutional violations. So uh, ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement Officers, tricked several people in Atlanta into opening their doors so they could enter without a search warrant and detain people slated for deportation in a series of controversial raids earlier this month, immigrations, immigrants and lawyers told the Huffington Post. The Southern Poverty Law Center is investigating what it describes as possible violations of the Fourth Amendment's guarantee against illegal search and seizure. Um, ICE agents need consent to enter the home unless they've obtained a search warrant. Uh, Quote, our review of the cases suggests that ICE used tactics during the raids that potentially are illegal and violate the Constitution and that in several of these cases it appears that proper consent was not obtained to enter the houses. That's from one of the Southern Poverty Law Center attorneys. Eunice Cho, um, there was a man in Atlanta, the suburbs of Atlanta, and these raids have been happening in various states throughout the country. Some actually happened right here in California, down in Los Angeles, um, but around uh, big cities in Houston, uh, Atlanta, Los Angeles, um, various places around the country. So uh, this story um, that broke really soon thereafter, uh, a man named Rene Morales said he did not answer his door when ICE agents banged on it in the early morning hours of January 2nd looking for his sister. The siblings were, Both siblings were undocumented, but Morales had obtained a temporary reprieve from deportation known as a Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. His sister had not. Uh, she and her three children had fled Guatemala in 2014 after witnessing a homicide, homicide and fearing retribution. Tens of thousands of Central American migrants have entered the U.S. over the last two years, often asking for asylum or other forms of deportation relief. Morales left the house a few hours after the ICE agents appeared to have left, and when he returned... he says two agents approached him and told him he would be arrested for obstruction of justice if he refused to open the door and let them search his house for for a criminal named Miguel Soto. A man Morales said he didn't know. Uh, Once inside the home the agents instead detained his sister Rosa along with her 17 year old son and 11 year old daughter. They did not detain Rosa's oldest daughter who's 19 because she had a child who was born in the United States. Um, Morales said that they weren't looking for any Miguel Soto, they were looking for my family. The family's attorney, Shirley Zambrano, told the Huffington Post she thought Rosa would not be detained because she had obtained an order of supervision valid through June. So wh- what we're looking at here is a case where uh, the federal government has decided to raid people's homes using resources uh, and and. And fear tactics uh, to to round up immigrants, and some of them actually have documentation. Um, so, yeah. So ICE, uh, back to the article, ICE often issues such orders, uh, which allow immigrants facing deportation to live and work legally in the United States if they regularly check in with authorities, as a form of humanitarian relief. Uh, the family attorney said, "I was very much in shock when they called me because she was on an order of supervision, and ICE was not supposed to execute that that order." In another case, ICE agents knocked on the door of Susanna Aravallo's parents uh, last week from the South Texas Family Residential Center in Dilly. Um, uh, Susanna reported. Uh, Arabella said agents told her they were taking her to do paperwork, but said later that her asylum application had been rejected. They sent her and her two children to the family detention center to be deported to Honduras without allowing her to speak to her attorney. Brian Cox, a spokesman for ICE, said the agency does not discuss its tactics as a matter of policy. But in an email, he also disputed that Georgia agents had violated the law, writing that everyone detained, quote, was the subject of a targeted enforcement action based upon a final order of removal issued by an immigration judge, and the operation was conducted in accordance with ICE policy, end quote. Lawyers and activists, however, say several other immigrants detained in the Atlanta area were deceived by ICE during the raids that began earlier this month. Quote, um, We have a hotline here, and we have received a bunch of complaints about how ICE has lied to people to get inside their house, said Adelina Nichols, the executive director of the Georgia Latino Alliance for Human Rights. Charles Cook, uh, an an Atlanta attorney who has worked on immigration cases for more than 20 years, said ICE agents showed one of his clients a picture of a black man who they said was a criminal they needed help finding. Then agents detained his client. Other lawyers in the area encouraged the same thing. They countered, rather, the same thing, Cook said. Uh, The three cases that I'm aware of, in every instance, they showed this image of some terrible guy they said they were looking for, and they used that to get into the house. One of them was my client, and two of them were clients of other lawyers. Cook added, this is nothing new. They've used this tactic for decades to get around a warrant. So this is a... this has been happening uh, around the country this month, just this month. It's only January 15th here, 2016. And, um, and uh, what we're seeing, not only these violations and, and this fear of, of uh, ICE agents pounding on doors in the early morning hours and taking... People away. They've detained 121 immigrants, including women and children. Uh, often uh, deporting them, and as we can see, um, in some cases, refusing them to let them talk to their attorney. Um, back to these very dangerous uh, situations in their home countries in Central America, throughout Central America. Um, and what that's ha- what's happening not only um, with these people who these 121 people have been rounded up, rounded up. Um, by federal authorities the I, I, the ice agency cold-hearted ice agency seemingly um, but a lot of the immigrant communities around the country are suffering because people are afraid they're afraid to go out they're afraid to go grocery shopping they're afraid to let their children go to school um, there's rumors uh, amidst neighborhoods saying that ice is in the community so people are like you know Hibernating in their homes and, and hiding out—it's a really scary situation, and so um, a, a really kind of a psychological war on on immigrants, many of whom who've come here across borders, trying to escape violence in their home countries that have, you know, countries that have been destabilized by American policies and, um, and actions in the past. Um, so it's a—it was a real shitty Christmas present from the Obama administration and it's it's something that we've got to keep an eye on here in 2016 um, from a human rights standpoint and also from a constitutional uh, standpoint to see um, how federal agents are actually carrying out these these raids and really using resources that could otherwise be allocated uh, to You know, help refugees, um, help process some of the people who are in uh, refugee detention centers across the United States. uh, Just a couple months ago, uh, there was um, a, a widespread hunger strike, including uh, in one of the these detention facilities here in California, where people were refusing to eat because of the deplorable conditions uh, and the abuses that they were suffering, um, being in these refugee detention centers. And 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 not and and the people who were there, it's not. Oh, it's because they get arrested and rounded up and put there. It's because they've come across a the border. Uh, they've reported themselves trying to legally go through the process of of getting refugee status and the the process is is so slow some people end up staying in these detention facilities for years, years, um, often uh, being treated like a prisoner, uh, like a criminal in a sense um, and in some cases being denied medical services uh, is a a huge problem in this country and um, it's something that we really need to stay on top of. So um, in light of that I wanted to read a poem. I like to read poems. I like to write poems. This is not a poem that I wrote. Um, This is a poem by someone named V.R. Serenio from an anthology Called "Peace or Perish: A Crisis Anthology." Um, this was kind of an anthology in response to uh, nuclear proliferation, uh, and uh, this was a copyrights 1983, um, put out by Poets for Peace in the Fort Mason Center here in San Francisco, and dedicated to the memory of Kenneth Patchen a poet-artist. So, um, from this anthology, Peace or Parish, a Crisis Anthology, here is a poem from V. R. Sereno called Guerrilla Children. G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A. As we ponder and reflect upon the situations in which people find themselves that they n- then need to flee to try to save their lives and come to the United States, the land of hope, um, a land of dreams, and as we can see, sometimes those dreams turn into nightmares. So here's the poem, Gorilla Children. She stood by the jungle roadside, 12 years old, her eyes the color of death. She could have been a Mission Street chola or a parochial school girl plaid pleats floating around her thighs, white blouse smooth over her skin, giggling gossip at the bus stop. Instead, she stands like a rock, hard and cold. Her skin, her clothes, dusty like the road she guards, cradling a submachine gun (coughs) in the delicate branches of her arms. My mother, my father, I saw the soldiers shoot them, each one, in the head. The blood grew like plumeria blossoms so red. She fights for the people, guarding the road, holding the highways hostage. What will the U.S. military advise to destroy the guerrilla insurgents? The last time we sent military advisers, El Salvador, Vietnam, The last time we sent military advisors, all we got back, all I got back, was a man who had nightmares of armies of children with machine guns and eyes the color of death. You're listening to Women's Magazine on mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco, my hometown, where I'm very privileged uh, to be able to walk down the street and not get thrown out of the country. Welcome, welcome back. Um, You've been listening to Women's Magazine. That was a podcast from last week, January fifteenth, twenty sixteen. But I'm here. This is Global Val here. It is January twenty second, just a week later. So um, I hope you were enjoying some of the themes that I was exploring last week. Definitely, will be themes we'll be touching upon and building upon. Uh, Unfortunately, these are some of the things of our times that we are. called to respond to, called to, um, acknowledge and, uh, hopefully do something about. And of course, uh, doing something could be as, you know, very, something very small or something big. Um, basically anything you can do, um, is going to be, uh, working towards the positive. Um, we hope and, um, and, and, uh, so you're listening to Mutiny Radio here, uh, Mutiny Radio FM here in San Francisco. The uh, we're here at the corner of 21st and Florida Streets, 2781 21st Street here in the Mission District of San Francisco. And what we have on our walls right now are is an art show, an art uh, display of um, a, a collaboration between. Um, a, Visual artist Joe Sances, and one of our DJs here, the B uh, from Labor and Love Saturday Mornings, um, that and that show focuses on the labor movement, and um, oh, these these amazing posters are here, uh, and these black and white and red drawings that vividly depict uh, figures in, in our in our American and our world history. History, um, we've got people like. Martin Luther King, Mother Jones, Dolores Huerta, Harry Bridges, Luisa Moreno, and Rose Schneiderman—those two I, I, I read a little bit about on last week's show. Um, Lucy Parsons, uh, Harry Kamoku, uh, Iqbal Masih—who Masi, uh, was a, an Afghani child who who fought and for. Um, um, Freedom. He had been sold into indentured servitude as a a young child and kept trying to escape. And then he was um, a really outspoken person in advocating for children against child labor and indentured servitude. He was actually killed when he was 13 years old. Um, So all all these all these amazing people here um, that we get to. Recognize, remember, celebrate, and learn about um, because not only are they just the pictures, but also uh, our local DJ here, the B from Labor and Love, also wrote a little summary about each person in their lives. Um, and it's great because they're very uh, readable, straightforward. Um, they they touch upon uh, various. Um, major things in their lives, but just a short little paragraph about each person and, um, highlights or underlines some, some other ways to find out more, whether it's them being part of an organization or a specific labor union, or, uh, if it references a specific riot, for example, uh, the labor riots that have come, come gone and, and well, we imagine will may come again. Um, so anyhow, these things are called labor cards, and they made them a couple of years ago. And, uh, and, and Bill, uh, the bee gave me a handful of these labor cards, which are now blown up and poster size on our walls right here at Mutiny Radio. Um, so you're, you're welcome to come by anytime. Uh, we've got about 40 different shows every week. So there's always somebody in here, and uh, you can stop by, pop in, and see, see for yourself as one of, my, one of our friends likes to say, educate yourself. And that's what I did. Um, you know, I I was looking through some of these labor cards and learning about people I had never heard of before and uh, getting really inspired. And so one person who I'd like to highlight today is Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. So I read about her on this labor card, and then I decided to jump down the rabbit hole and follow up and learn more about this woman who um, has a a remarkable life. Um, So I want to read you the labor card here for her. This is labor card number 19. Elizabeth Gurley Flynn lived from 1890. She was born in New Hampshire and then died in 1964 uh, in the Soviet Union, actually. By the time she was 17... Flynn had been expelled from high school for giving speeches about socialism and was already an organizer for the industrial workers of the world. In the next few years, she participated in labor campaigns with garment workers, miners, and textile workers. In Seattle, she once chained herself to a lamppost to delay her arrest. During her long career, she spoke out for the eight-hour day, safe working conditions, union recognition, birth control, and women's suffrage. She died while on a trip to the Soviet Union and Joe Hill's song The Rebel Girl is dedicated to Girlie Flynn, Quote, "It's great to fight for freedom with the Rebel Girl." Um so Joe Hill is another person who's featured here on our walls. Um and of course one of the most famous labor songs um is Joe Hill. Um I dreamt I saw Joe Hill because Joe Hill um came over as a as, as an immigrant young man um and um and became very involved. He was kind of an itinerant worker worker, but then became really involved in labor unions. And then uh later on, I believe it was in the state of Utah, mm. I think it was in Utah, um I'll I'll double check that. But uh he was accused of murdering uh someone in Colorado and a highly contentious charge. Uh, a lot of people believed he was completely innocent and was being framed, and Joe Hill was actually executed in front of a firing range. Um, but Joe Hill was was known for his his famous uh, his songs, um, the songs that he would write, uh, folk songs, labor labor songs, and such. Um, so I'm actually, of course, this is live radio uh, here here in San Francisco, here at Mutiny Radio, and so I'm actually trying to. Get this song ready, so that you can hear uh, a little bit about uh, what I want to focus on today. Um, I didn't bring an an extra CD to throw in to uh, to buy myself time, um, but but we'll see what happens, huh? And thanks for listening. Um, I really did enjoy doing last week's show, um, focusing on you know our, what the the federal government. Uh, of the United States has been spending exorbitant amounts of money. I think it's over $16 billion on, uh, enforcing immigration, uh, policies and, um, $16 billion in, in the year 2014, I believe. And, um, and looking at where we're going to go from here. Um, what are our priorities here as a society? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave you with a little bit of music here. There's a CD playing, so I think you're going to like it. And I'll be right back, and we'll talk more about Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. All right, welcome back. Thanks for listening to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val, you're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. Thanks for bearing with me uh, while I worked out some technical difficulties. Um, And so uh, we're highlighting today um, a labor hero from the past, last century rather, Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. Um, She was an orator. Um, she was a suffragist, a pacifist, a feminist. Um, she used to um, she used to just hold, give speeches on the street and 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 uh, was arrested a few times for causing a disturbance because so many people would come to listen to her. Um, she did write an autobiography um, called "I Speak My Own Peace." Um, she was the first. Female president of the Communist Party of the United States, and she was appointed to that position. Uh, she, well, she, I'm sorry, she attained that position when she was 71 years old. Um, she wrote a column for the Daily Worker. Um, she wrote a, bo- a booklet called Women Have a Date with Destiny. Uh, she participated in the founding of the ACLU. Um, she was later ousted for being in the Communist Party, um, but she, uh, but as we know, the ACLU was founded to protect free speech, equal protection under the law, due process, and privacy. Um, and actually, she, um, Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, she was jailed for two years at the age at age 65. Um, for violating the Smith Act of 1940, um, which says that you cannot advocate for the overthrow of the government by force of violence. However, she defended herself. She was on trial along with uh, several other defendants who were part of the Communist Party at that time. Here in the United States, of course, uh, this was during nineteen fifty this was in nineteen fifty four and uh, of course, that was kind of the height of the the red scare, right McCarthyism, um hunting out witch hunting out communists within the United States. but of course, the Communist Party was actually a legal political party operating just like the Democrats, the Republicans, or the green party. Um, it was the communist party. um but then, you know, being that it was the cold War. And there was a front against communism in the United States. Uh, a lot of communists were targeted uh, and put on trial, and some of them were actually deported from the country. American-born people were deported from the United States for their affiliation with or participation in uh, the Communist Party. Um, uh, you know, meetings or or rallies or anything, um, exercising their right to free speech, which of course. Uh, we're all about here at Mutiny Radio especially here on Women's Magazine and coming up next on the Common Thread Collective free speech so Elizabeth Flynn Elizabeth Gurley Flynn who uh, was married for I believe a year at one point and she always kept her her own name um her mother's maiden name was Ger- was Gurley with a U and uh, her father was Flynn and he was um her mother was I- Irish from Ireland and her father was born in Maine he was Irish as well at one point he actually ran for um uh it's like a, a city engineer position um and he lost and he, and um it was said that he had lost because he was Irish and so she grew up in this in this environment where um her mother was a feminist and and her father was a socialist and uh and an engineer and uh, remembered being being a young man uh and seeing signs that said no irish need apply so we're looking again kind of connecting to last week we're looking at um, a history here in the United States of immigrants coming here, which of course this country is made up of immigrants um and we have of course indigenous peoples as well i'm 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 a little bit of both i'm i'm part native american californian um from down in the monterey area and i'm also you know scotch irish italian french and uh and uh, maybe a couple other things thrown in there. So it, obviously, um, this is a country that is con- continuously changing, not only in its landscape and its demograph- demographics, um, but also in our, I think, in our cultural understandings of what it means to be an American. And um, just just looking and, and doing a little more research into Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. Um, it's really, really powerful to look back at the history of labor, uh, the labor movement in this country, um, people who are fighting um, for workers' rights, women's rights, um, you know, rights of, of, uh, of what we would call minority classes or, or races in this country historically. And, um, and there, were, there were a lot of victories over the years, but of course also a lot of defeats. Um, so... Uh, Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, the, the inspiration for Joe Hill's song, The Rebel Girl. So I'm going to play that song in a minute, but just a little background about Joe Hill, which I already gave, but I want to read the Joe Hill labor card. Labor card number 10, Joe Hill, 1879 to 1915. The man known as Joe Hill was born in Sweden. His re- his given name was Joel Emanuel Haglund. He came to the U S in 1910 and worked at migrant labor jobs all over the country. Joe joined the IWW, that's the International Workers of the World, and wrote several famous songs and poems about unions and working people. In 1915, he was accused of killing a store owner in Colorado. Most people thought Joe was innocent and that he had been framed by mine owners, but he was executed anyway. And one of the most famous of all labor songs, I Dreamed of Joe, I Saw Joe Hill Last Night, claims that Joe Hill is still there, alive as you and me, wherever workers fight for their rights. Um, So I want to play the Joe Hill um, song, The Rebel Girl, um, which was inspired in part by Elizabeth Flynn. And that was Hazel Dickens singing Joe Hill's song "The Rebel Girl," uh, based on Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. And uh, as I as I mentioned earlier, um, Elizabeth Flynn was uh, was jailed for two years at the uh, when she was 65 years old for violating the Smith Act, um, which uh, said that you can't. Uh, invoke the overthrow of the government by force of violence. And so she, she, as I said earlier, defended herself, and uh, she and her comrades acted as their own defense. Um, and uh, I, I, read, I read her opening statement, and it's a bit long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but I, I highly recommend that you go check it out, um, where she basically dispels um, all of the evidence that's going to be presented against her, saying that the government has listed this whole... Um, you know, litany of, of literature and things, things that she's written and, or, or places she's gone. And, and she kind of goes through them and says, and you'll see, and we're going to prove it to you that nowhere in these speeches or events or uh, meetings or anything like that have we ever endorsed the overthrow of, of government by violence. Um, we're actually looking for peace and happiness. And so um, uh, she, later, obviously, she lost uh, this case and served time. So I wanted to read you a few excerpts from her, um, her defense, her opening statement of the Smith Act Trial in 1954. All right. She gives a little history about her background, how she grew up in her family. Um, here we go. One of the this is Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. One of the essential issues in this case is my individual intent, the intent with which I joined the Communist Party and have remained a member of it, and the intent with which I have tried to carry out its program. My intent has been shaped out of my earlier experiences and my reaction to the conditions of life, especially the conditions of the worker. By showing you what my intent and what my life shaped, uh, and what in my life shaped that intent. I shall show you that never have I nor do I now intend to advocate the overthrow of government by force and violence nor do I intend to bring about bring about such an overthrow I come from a family whose day by day diet included important social issues of the day and in, and from this early time I learned to question things as they are and to seek improvements. Thus my mother advocated women's suffrage, and my father and mother uh, discussed with their children the campaigns of Debs. We're talking about Eugene Debs, who actually was a socialist and ran for president while he was in jail and got almost a million votes. Um... My father read aloud to me and my brother and sisters such books as the Communist Manifesto and other writings of Marx and Engels, which the government will use as evidence in this trial. I was a serious child, due probably to these childish impressions which were background to my affiliation in my extreme youth with the socialist movement and in my mature years with the Communist Party. Times were hard, we were poor. My first experiences with with discrimination was in Manchester, New Hampshire, when my father ran for city engineer in eight, around 1895. I heard it said that it was, he was defeated because he was Irish. He was very bitter on this subject and told us the signs on factories when he was a boy of no Irish need apply. Our parents opposed all form of national religious or color discrimination, which we will prove is identical with the position of the Communist Party today and form the basis of the position I take today with the Communist Party. My first knowledge of the meaning of imperialism, which will be an issue in this case was a vivid recollection of my father's opposition to the spanish-american war and his insistence on the right of the cuban and philippine peoples to their independence he joined an anti-imperialist league to protest against our country embarking on the evil path of imperialism which we will prove began at that time The conditions in the textile towns of New Hampshire and Massachusetts contributed to my later joining the Communist Party, which, as Mr. Lane, the attorney here, prosecuting attorney here says, concentrates on the recruiting of workers in the industry, in industry, huge gray mills like prisons, barrack-like company boarding houses, long hours, low wages, long periods of slack. The prosperous owner lived in the center of Adams, Massachusetts, and rode around in his fine carriage with its beautiful horses." I saw lard instead of butter on neighbors' tables, children without underwear in cold New England winters, a girl scalped by an unguarded machine in, in the mill across the street from our school. I saw an old man weeping as they put him in a lockup as a tramp. So we can see how the world in which Elizabeth Gurley Flynn was growing up and living and experiencing it's a world of uh, great economic disparity uh, where workers uh, were mistreated maltreated and at the behest of uh, of the of, of the business the businessmen and you know it's not uh, if you think about all the protections that are in place now in the workplace you know safety and things and OSHA you know all, all, all of these, all of these uh, protections that are in place for, for workers, they didn't just come because of the benevolence of, uh, of uh, you know, companies and corporations and, and the business people who, who run these things. It's, it comes from a, a ground up, ground up. She goes on. She goes on. Oh, I hear some good music being played outside. Kind of wish we had it going on in here. I kind of want to jump around a little bit. Here she goes. She continues. My travels as a communist speaker have taken me all over the country. I saw the fruits of law of a lawless, aggressive, brutal, and ruthless capitalism which garnered profits for the few at the expense of the many. Our country is a rich and beautiful country, fully capable of producing plenty for all, educating its youth and caring for its aged. We believe it could do this under socialism. I saw great forests cut down on the on the denuded and the denuded land left with blackened stumps miles of topsoil blown and washed away and fertile fields became like a desert I've seen textile workers who wove beautiful woolen fabrics shivering for lack of warm clothing and coal miners living in cold shacks in company towns and steel towns that were armed camps I saw men blacklisted, driven from town to town, forced to change their names because they had dared to try to organize a union. We will prove to you that it is not the communists who have advocated or practiced force and violence, but that it is the employing class which has done both throughout the history of my life in the American labor movement, like General Sherman Bell, who said in Colorado during a minor strike, to hell with habeas corpus, we'll give them all post-mortems. So Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, uh, a labor heroine, someone that I recommend you read into a bit more. Uh, she's pretty inspiring and is, um, her poster is actually not on the wall here, but uh, you should come check out the Labor labor History is Your History art display, uh, art show here at Mutiny Radio, 2781, 21st Street. Um, so I'm going to round, uh, kind of, close up a little earlier today I came in late so I hope you enjoyed the podcast from last week um, and a, a little bit learning a little bit about Elizabeth Flynn here today so I want to play um, the song of Joe Hill um, because I think it's important to put this all in a historical context of folks who uh, who played such a large Large part of in our in our cultural history and our in the history of uh, fighting for individual rights, for labor rights, for collective rights, collective bargaining. Um, because actually, right now there's a case going on in the in the Supreme Court um, that is reevaluating uh, agency fees for um, workers who uh, work somewhere where there's a union, but they don't want to join the union. Um, But they'll pay a a smaller agency fee in order to benefit from the collective bargaining of the union. Um, And, uh, yeah, the Supreme Court's hearing this case. uh, I think the last time they went, the remarks were made were just about a week or so ago. Um, And if if that's reevaluated, if these agency fees um, that people are paying are are reevaluated, it may even uh, revert us back to um, the Taft-Hartley Act from the 1940s um, which uh, said that workers uh, who work somewhere where there's a union don't have to join the union in order to benefit from the collective bargaining on their behalf. Um, Later the agency fees were introduced um, by the unions as a way to uh, still, you know, uh, maintain some buy in from from their coworkers and such, so if that agency fee were reversed again, we're taking it back to um, uh, an era in which you're not there's no incentive uh to join a union and thereby kind of take it taking the kicking and kicking the box out from under its legs, so pay attention to what's going on in this country, and also, I want to recommend a book um uh, i don 't know if it's his latest book, I think so uh Robert Reich former Labor Secretary of the United States under Bill Clinton. He's got a book called Saving Capitalism for the Many, Not the Few. And I want to point it out because uh, it's a great read. It's easy to understand, but he connects everything so well. And And I think what he highlights is the fact that it's not that business can just get it, you know, get out of control on its own. It's that once um, once profits are concentrated, power is concentrated, and we see the, uh, the, the corporate uh, lobbying and, and corporate campaign financing um, in our country and, and uh, just creating massive amounts of corruption. So uh, recommendations. Check out Saving Capitalism by Robert Reich. He's a professor at UC Berkeley as well. Um, go down the rabbit hole and uh, learn more about Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. And come in and uh, join us at Mutiny Radio anytime and come see these great labor posters and learn about some of these people who we don't always hear about in history books, most definitely. and I just learned about an event happening, speaking of free speech, think, speaking of, uh, about women and free speech and international rights, um, because Elizabeth Gurley Flynn was internationally recognized. Um, she was actually given the state funeral in Red Square, and, and uh, like 25,000 people attended. So speaking of our Russian uh, friends, uh, Pussy Riot... It's going to be here in San Francisco. They're going to be in conversation with Zarina Zabrinsky at the Warfield on February 10th. You can go and get tickets. Go to goldenvoice.com. Uh, get tickets at axs.com. Uh, the Warfield here on Market Street. Um, so that's going to be pretty cool. I might, uh, Go check that out. Um, Pussy Riot, who, of course, they too were jailed for... Um, acting out i think it was they were convicted of hooliganism and, and jailed uh young women uh young mothers who were um mocking putin um so we see that the struggle for uh, free speech goes on uh we see that the struggle for free expression goes on and uh just trying to look ahead so i'll uh, play a little more music a uh, little more technical difficulties so here goes back to the cd that was in here before
0: I know y'all know what I'm talking about
1: Thanks for listening to Women's Magazine, and remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, that inspiration is contagious. Peace and thank you. Coming up next is the Common Thread Collective. Come join us. It's live and lively. Community Radio, Mutiny Radio, .fm, San Francisco. Peace, everybody.